Boy, the Antichrist shows up with a false prophet because they're going to pull fire out of heaven. They're going to perform miracles and people are going to flock to them and bow down to him even to the point of deceiving the Jews for three and a half years. Amen. As he sets himself up in that tabernacle as God. Amen. So, so we got to be careful. We got to stay with what this Bible says and, and stay with that Jerusalem ring and that familiarity of God's presence and touch through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what John again, amen. If you go back to John again, that 14th chapter he talks about that as the Holy Ghost will comfort us. The Holy Ghost will lead in God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that will speak and inspire and move upon us. The Word of God was not a man's ideal. The Word of God was a God's ideal. Peter said that holy men was moved upon, breathed, inspired. By who? By God. Amen. So as they written, so nobody, Peter makes it clear unto them, nobody had a private interpretation. Amen. They was moved or inspired by God. And so it's a letter, but the letter, but Spirit gives it light. And so that's what how this all works together. So as we watch building on God's word, we're going to talk about Josiah, Josiah again. And 2 Chronicles 34 and 31 is the focus verse. And the king stood in his place. We could talk about that just a little bit. The king knew where his place was at. He understood his authority. He knew what to put into action and what actions that he needed to take. Even in the house of God, he knew his place in the house of God. He found that place and he stood. Or especially in this particular where I'm going to stand and who I'm going to stand for. We'll talk about that a little later on. And made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statues with all of his heart, with all of his soul, to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And he's talking about the law. He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about that that Moses, that God gave to Moses. The first five books amen, that's in, in the, uh, the Bible itself. He, that's what he's talking about. Amen. To keep this. To guard it. To respect it. To humble himself unto it. And so he, he understood at a very early age you're going to find out Amen. I mentioned this and got where I mentioned it quite often. Amen. That David was only 17 years old when he took out the giant. Amen. And so if there's anything that you and I need to do is to inspire our babies about living for God. It's the greatest life to live. It's the greatest life to give yourself unto. Amen. This idea and, and theory that came along that you got to go out and sow your wild oaks before you can get rid of them is a bunch of hogwash. It's a bunch of junk from the pits of hell and from the devil himself. You don't have no wild wild oaks unless you want them only kind of wild oaks you ought to have is ought to be for Jesus Christ you can get just as drunk of the Holy Ghost and more so than you can out there you can get high amen in the Holy Ghost amen I'm telling you it's well it's in there you can party, buddy. You can party like nobody in the church, in the house of God. This is a dance floor for Jesus Christ. We just dance for him. We don't dance with one another. We dance with him. Amen. We, we party and celebrate and have celebrations. You can read the Old Testament. Man, they had celebration after celebration. Praise God. So, as we watch this unfold and begin to take place, the, the thought, amen, the truth about God, God's word must be the foundation upon which we build our lives. The word of God must be. This is what we got to build our lives. It's dangerous. I won't say right out just don't do it. But I do believe it's a dangerous thing to try to go to individuals and places that's outside of the word of God, especially... When you start talking about spiritual things. And you start talking about salvation. And you start talking about being successful in life. This is the most successful life you can live. It's building upon this right here. And purposing and making up in your mind. This is right all the time. This is right. All the time. Even when I don't like it. <laughs> Sometimes it can be like them gizzards and lizards. Uh, lizards and livers. <laughs> They're about all three the same. I may rather eat a lizard. I ain't tried one of them. I tried them other two. <laughs> they ain't too good. You could chew that dude. You can put a piece that big in your mouth. And it gets that big. And I still can't swallow it. <laughs> 
<laughs> they can put a little piece like this, Sister Tammy. In that gravy, I can find it. Mm. I can actually taste it without it. You know, if it's been in there, if, if it walked through. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, God's Word, God's Word. Taste and see that it's gracious, it's good, it's powerful. When you really begin to taste it. But there are times you're going to find out living for God. There's going to be times, amen, that sometimes it can be a little hard to swallow. Amen. It can be a little hard. Amen. But if you'll just swallow it, if you'll just let it work, it'll bring you to that place of sweetness. It'll bring you back place where we need to go. Paul talks about it. He talks about it from milk to meat. Amen. Amen. Most of the time where individuals get really choked on the word of God. Amen. Amen. You can see where, and can I say this? Paul writes it to him. He said, hey, I'm still having to give you milk. He said, you ought to, you ought to be having meat. But he said, I can't because you can't handle it. Can't handle it. Why, how did he know that? Because there's envy and strife and carnality. So you can't handle the meat. The meat will choke you. Praise God. Those little darlings they bring it home, amen, they can't start them out. You know, they, they, they're not going to be able to stop by the steakhouse on the way home and buy them a steak. Praise God. No, they got a bottle. And that's what they got to use for a season and for a time. Amen. Same way with us spiritually. And you know what? There's really no set time on some of that. More so in the spiritual than in the natural. Amen. When God can trust us and allow us to start receiving the meat. But Peter talks about it. He said those that gladly received the milk. Man, when they was first introduced to the word of God and God himself and the power of the written word. They received it with thanksgiving. They received it with joy. They was glad. Amen. You ever seen them little babies when they really get upset? I mean, you know, it'll take them long to get hungry or thirsty. They let everybody know. They don't care. They don't care if it's at midnight. They don't care if it's in the middle of a wedding. They don't care if it's in the middle of a funeral. They don't care if it's, you know, if the president walked in. They could give a hoot about the president. I'm hungry. I need my bottle. <laughs> Amen. And you could see that expression. I really liked it. Whenever ours got old enough, man, they could get a hold of it. Amen. And just, you know, they're saving you. That's what I'm talking about. Praise God. That keeps sickness away. That keeps diseases away. Them that don't want to eat and them that don't want to drink, they're all the time sick. They all the time got sniffles. They're so picky. They don't want to eat this and don't want to eat that. Amen. I like them. Amen. No matter what, what jar you got, amen. When you grab that jar and pop that lid, man, you just start shoving it. I'd much rather shove it in and it just all goes down. I don't like doing that. Shove it in and it comes back out and you got to catch it and shove it back in again. Catch it again and shove it back in three or four times. Amen. But you know what? You know if they're going to survive. That's what you just keep doing. You just keep catching and putting it out from around the mouth and keep shoving it right back in because that's how they're going to survive. You know what? You and I are not going to make the journey and we're not going to build on the right things if we're not willing to receive the word of God. And sometimes when you're not willing to receive it, if you spit it out, just stay there a minute. Amen. God's got somebody to shove it back in. God's got somebody to help you. And you know what? After a while, you just need to say, you know what? That's the word of God. I'm fixing to open up to it. I'm fixing to let it, amen, get into my spirit and get into my heart and get into my life. As we humble and yield ourselves unto him and let him work in our hearts and in our lives. So, as we watch this lesson this morning, and I know until time's probably going to slip away from us. But we're going to do our best, amen, to cover as much as we can. Uh, I won't try to read probably a lot uh, of the, uh, the scripture setting itself, amen. You can read about the tower, amen, and how the leaning is 17 and how much it cost and the billions of dollars they made and how much they spent, amen, $400 billion on a, on a tower. And they were selling these condos, amen. And after a while, it's leaning 17 inches, and amen, because of the foundation, all the service is still the same. I don't know nothing about them high-rises. I don't know anything about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested. If they give me one, I probably wouldn't go up and get into it, okay? I mean, I just me. I'm just a country boy. I'd rather be right here, amen, you know, praise God. But anyway, go back and read it. You didn't read your lesson, go back and read about it. You get an idea the importance of a foundation. Any builders in the house, amen, any cookers in the house, there's certain things, amen, even in cooking, certain foundations, certain procedures got to take place. If it's going to come out right, amen, this process has got to take place, amen, for it to happen. So that's what we're going to talk about, the Word of God as the foundation of our lives, amen. It's going to be, and you know what? Here's the real deal about this foundation. The foundation will determine salvation nothing else 
I'm going to let that one sink in. You can have pretty walls. You can have a beautiful roof. You can spend billions of dollars upon it. But the foundation will determine whether or not if it's going to sustain the storms or not. Not the walls. Not the roof. Not the infrastructure of it. But it's the foundation is what's going to determine whether or not we survive the journey. And if you mess up on the foundation, it doesn't matter how much expense and how much money you put into it. In fact, I'm going to bring something out at the end of the lesson that the writers did not. Because the end of the lesson, they kind of make some statements. And it's probably true because Jesus in Matthew 7 didn't make any mention about the two houses. As far as the type of material that either one of them was built out of. Okay? But Paul made some statements about it. About the foundation. And what's built upon those, that foundation. And the types of material that's built upon that foundation. Can I tell you this morning? The most important thing out of the word of God. That you and I must receive and believe in is the foundation. You don't see it. Most buildings. Anybody see our foundation this morning? I'm talking about the building. I'm sorry. We don't see it, do we? Most of the time we have to dig in. Especially for these high rise. They ain't no telling how far they needed to dig. Anybody ever been down there at Ingles and places down there where they start driving them pilings? I've seen pilings look like they're 40, 50, 60 foot tall. I've watched them big old cranes start driving them in that ground. I've watched them drive them three and four foot at one leg. They get through driving that and they'll stack another one on top of it. They start driving. After a while, they'll give you a headache. After a day or so of it, you start hearing something. Hey, and that pilot don't even look like it's moving. Just, just, it's just like it's right there. Man, they just keep pounding and pounding. And finally, they pound until it just will not move anymore. They get on, they get on something that's unmovable. I'm glad we aren't hooked to a rock. It's unmovable. It's unshakable. Everything else is going to move. Everything else is going to shake. But this rock called Jesus Christ, this gospel called the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this gospel called the repentance and baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, is the foundation. It's the experience. I promise you, if you experience it and you sell out to it, there's not a devil, a man that can rob you, uh, take you off of it. There's not a circumstance or an individual, regardless of what they attack you with, can take you off of it. Not if you stay with it. Not if you're sold out to it. Not if you're committed to it. Jesus Christ himself said, no man can pluck me out of his hand. So when you go back and look at Josiah, and we know that previously Hezekiah, that's far back, I'm not going to go that far, Manasseh, you could read about him, the decisions he made. But as we watch the scriptures of Josiah and what really began to take place, there are some very important things I'd like to bring out about him. And so I'm just going to kind of go through the scriptures with you this morning on that particular part, amen, to help you. To understand, help us to realize, you can read about this, amen, in 2 Kings and in 2 Chronicles. But we're going to try to slip on over, amen, to 2 Chronicles and here. We're going to look at some things that transpired and some things that began to take place. I do find some things amazing here. Um, for instance, the writer begins in the 2 Chronicles 34. Josiah was, what, eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem, one in 30, 30 years, 31 years. Now, Manasseh, Manasseh was actually his grandfather who, who reigned for some 50-something years. Now, you can read about Manasseh. Manasseh, a man did that which is wicked, evil, even though that Hezekiah had built. Now, I'm no timing. I'm not going to try to go back all that. But anyway, Manasseh, you can go back and read about him. But you're going to read something that whenever God allowed him to be carried into Babylon, there under his afflictions, a man, he began to humble himself and yielded himself and gave recognition of this one true and only God. 
And in doing that, God, God showed him mercy and grace and compassion and, and, and brought him and let him be restored and, and, and brought back. And so we see that the end results of Manasseh, even though after he had burnt his children, after he had done so wicked and vile and called, called Judah to sin, amen, even a place where it couldn't be pardoned. But by the word of God and by afflictions. I've heard people tell me sometimes, well, I've got in trouble now. I'm not going to come running. No, that's the very times you come running to God. Your times of afflictions and troubles and heartache. That's what a lot of that's about to start with. Amen. It's God's trying to get you and us, amen, to come to him and cry out to him and yield ourselves and, and to, to trust him and call upon him to help us in our afflictions. And so we've seen this happen. And so, so then it goes to his, uh, to, uh, his dad, amen, and he don't last but a couple of years. And then Josiah comes on the scene at eight years of age. He becomes the king of Judah. A very early age. Now, what triggers him? Uh, no doubt there had to be somebody. There's a preacher. There is a prophet. A man in his life that began to impart some things into his mind and his spirit. To put a desire in him to want to live for God. Amen. You know what's the best thing you and I can do for our children? Pray for them on a daily basis. God, more important than anything else, God, I want you to put a love for them, in them for you. I want you to put a love in their hearts and their minds and their spirit for the things of God and for the ways of God. I want you to put a love in them for the commandments and the statutes and the principles of the word of God itself. Amen. They'd fall in love with it. They would just fall in love with it. Amen. They would, it would overwhelm them. They would find it an absolute delight and a joy to go to the house of God, go to the house of worship. Now, we play a big role in that. Not only do we pray for them, but our actions have to follow along with those prayers. Amen. For it to be effective, for it to, to bring about the product. Amen. That cultivation must take place. And so you and I, hallelujah, that's one thing our family could never say. You know, they never question us on Sunday mornings, are we going to church or not? Or on Sunday nights or any other night that we was going to have church. Amen. That, that question never came up. Amen. We was going to church. Amen. We may not go do this or do that, but we're going to church. Amen. We go into the house of God. That wouldn't, there weren't no questions about that. And that's the way it needs to be for every disciple of the Lord. Every Holy Ghost filled vessel. Amen. It should never come up a question about whether or not we're going to go. Or if I'm going to stay home with this or if I'm going to stay home with that. No, we're going. And we're going as a family. Amen. To the house of God to worship. We're going as a family. Amen. To exalt man. We're going to create that. Amen. Because we don't want to just do it in this house. But we want our house. Amen. We want our place of abode to be a place where the word of God's talked about. Read about Israel. Amen. Every morning they got up in the noontime. And when they laid them down at night. Amen. When they started to go out. It was on the doorpost. They put it on their arms. What? The word of God. Instructions about this one God. This one Savior. Amen. The power of the word of God. It is repeated over and over into our hearts and our lives. As we humble ourselves as we you that's the reason Paul told pray about everything you know pray about everything why because we want God's hand we want God's guidance in it I mean we want his favor to help us along making the decisions that he'd have us to make so here it is Josiah amen at eight years old as he takes the reign and the Bible says amen that that he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David, his father. Now, we know that wasn't his immediate father, right? but, but he's followed this lineage. And remember something, amen. The devil was constantly trying to stop the lineage of David. The seed of David is where the Messiah was coming from. And they often, amen, would sin and things of this nature. And even kings that would give themselves over to, to idol worship and things of that nature. And all of that was to try to stop the seed and the remnant. But God always kept a remnant. God always made away and raise up individuals amen to bring this about and so Josiah even though he was he was prophesied about and his coming and what was going to take place and what was going to happen so we're going to begin to watch some things that he begins to set up and what he begins to take place and the next verse says in the eighth year of his reign so you know if he was eight that puts him at 16 years of age hmm. 16 years old he starts Moving, directing, having a passion, having desire to do the things that are pleasing to God. So watch what he does. While he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. 
And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molded images, things that they had given themselves over to, things and idols that they had, they had made as their gods and their way of worshiping. Can I say this? The idea and the opinion that some has, well, it was good enough for grandma, it was good enough for me. Don't listen to that. You let the word of God be the word of God regardless of how good of life and who they were and how they come. You can't follow grandma's footsteps. you got to follow the word of God. You can't follow grandpa. Even Paul warned us. He said, follow me as long as I follow Christ. So you know what he was telling us? He said, though we are an angel come and preach any other gospel. He said, you, you, if they come to preach any other, he said, consider them a curse. And so that's the reason of the written word of God. Because people are prone. And that's not all. He goes on. He talks about And Peter talks about false teachers and false and things of this nature so there's those that's going to be come up that even Satan himself that transforms himself into a light hey man what is the most uh, the powerful tool that Satan can use than to convince people that they're all right if you ever try to save somebody that you know they was drowning amen but they said no I'm all right I'm not drowning and they was going on under for the third time no I'm all right I'm gonna be all right and I'm fixing to say something. We're not careful. We're living in a world today because they don't have a clue about sin anymore. Because our nation, our world, and if you listen to everybody, you know, it doesn't matter where you go to church. I know I'm saying some hard things here, but it's still the truth. Uh, and I'm saying it out of love. Okay? You know, it don't matter where you go to church. It don't matter how you live. It's you and God that works it out. But this matters. This matters. You got to believe on him as the scripture. Jesus told, told his, the Jews, he said, except you believe on me as the scriptures have taught. So here we are. We have got to do it the Bible way. That's for all of us. No one's exempt. It puts us all in the same bag. It puts us all in the same area. Why? Because this is also what we're going to face. And this is what we're going to be judged out of. You're not going to be judged off of your opinions. You're not going to be judged off for somebody else's opinions. You're not going to be judged off for somebody else's interpretation. Quit letting everybody else interpret the scripture for you. God gave you the Holy Ghost. You can give the interpretation. Watch this. Now, you've got to have teachers. But watch this. The Holy Ghost says there's going to be an agreement. There's going to be agreement. So watch this. Now, God's not the author of confusion. Then why is there so many? Something's not right. Somebody's wrong. Okay? So what does all that do? It brings you right back. To the written word of God. What stopped the devil in his tracks? What stopped the temptation? What did Jesus Christ, God manifested in flesh, what did he use? It is written. And so, as we allow this to be written into our hearts, our minds, and our lives, as we build our lives upon the foundation of the word. So what did Josiah do? He began to drive out. He began to remove their way of worshiping. Their idols and their ideas. He began to push them. Push them out of the tabernacle. He didn't stop there. He went, if you go back and read Second Kings, you'll read where he took it out of Israel. Until he's from 12 to the 18th year of his reign. He's pushing these idols out. He's cleansing and purging Israel. Has anybody ever been convicted about something, but you didn't have no scripture for it yet? That you knew in your makeup. Now, this is just not right. I'll never forget it. I won't go into no details because it will be offensive to some of you, so I won't do that. And I don't I mean that look. I'm just telling you. But I, I remember I was, in, I was in school, about the ninth grade, coming down this highway right here on that yellow bus. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what a yellow bus? Most people don't know anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> I should have said Anyway, praise God. But coming on that yellow bus that we had to ride for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. But, but coming down that road, and our, our spiritual leader outside was smoking a pipe. 
And I seen it and I said within me, I said, that ain't right. Now, I didn't have no scripture at that time. I didn't have nothing. But I knew that something said, that's not right. You know what? How often, if we would just let it, with real honesty and with real sincerity. And you know what? That'll lead us. That'll lead us to this truth. That'll lead us to God. That'll lead us to what? The book. Because it's never pleasing to God. Because this temple, now, now watch. Well, there's a lot of debate over this body right here. Everybody wants to claim it. The world wants it. The devil wants it. You want it. <laughs> you want to master it. You want to have it. You want to rule it. <laughs> I want to. It's my body. Let me do what I want to. Most of us don't even really like our bodies. So you know what? The best thing you and I can do is say, God, my body belongs to you. Here it is. If it weighs 100 pounds, if it weighs 500 pounds, it belongs to you, God. So, but you know what? Watch this. Go to, go to the writings. Paul says that what belongs to God, soul, spirit, and body. It's been bought with a price. It belongs to Him. It all, all belongs to Him. With these spiritual epistles. And so we become that reflection. We become that manifestation of the written Word of God. That's the reason the Bible warns us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's the reason I warned us, the countenance on our face Makes all the difference in the world. Not just in the house of God, but in all circumstances and all situations. <laughs> the countenance. Sometimes we don't have to say nothing. People can read our countenance. Whether or not if we like it or dislike it. I want to jump a rabbit there, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in enough trouble already. Praise God. Y'all going to say I'm meddling here, but amen. But, but we become, how do we become a new creation? It's this. As we study it out, as we read about it, as we start putting it into our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. And so this is what Josiah done. Now, you drop down to about the 8th verse, you're going to see that in the 18th year of his reign, he began to purge the lands and the houses and sent Zaphon and his sons. So he sends this team, you might want to say. And so as they make their way and they go into the priest and uh, he'll chaos out the priest there. And they take the money that had been laid up and stored to the previous king. And so now he starts restoring. They gave, give this money to the carpenters and all the, the masons and different ones. And they start establishing, setting back up the house of God and the place of God. And so in this process, as they got in there and began to clean it out and, and set it apart. Now notice our writer did bring something here I thought was very interesting uh, to us, if, if you go back and look at it, you're going to notice he says something about this. Amen. He says, the fact that a document as significant as this one had been. If you don't understand what I was saying here, you got to remember writings in, in their time wasn't like today. With computers and books and it's not a big deal. Most of us, probably all of us own four or five Bibles. Probably have access to four or five translations through your phone and things of that nature, okay? But here, the writings was precious. It took great lengths and time and effort and just certain ones, amen, that, that helped the parchment that, that could have these writings, be able to uh, uh, scribe them. They're called the scribes and all. And so for, for the law to be and have been lost even in the temple. That's what the writer's talking about here. Lost among the many items in the treasury only testifies of the lack of regard for the spiritual things in the hearts of the people. 
the drastic departure from the righteous path should be no great surprise given their disregard for the word of God. Now watch this. That's the reason we're seeing some of the same things today is the lack of regard, respect to but the word of God's right regardless of what everybody else's opinions and ideas are. The writers, the, the, the apostle put it this way in one place. He said, let God be truth and every man a liar. This is truth. You study it. You read it. You put it into practice. It'll prove itself. You don't have to worry about it. Okay? Now, it, there's... Uh, I know... What's this? We can't make the mistake that Israel made. Because when they would hear the word of God from Moses. Now the first encounter with God. With all the lightning, the trumpet and all that. That scared them to death, man. They got back and said, no Moses, you, you, you take care of that part. We'll just listen to you. And then when God, when God gets it to him and gets it wrote down. Amen. And they, they were times they would agree to it. And then other times they wouldn't whine. And the writer in the New Testament helps us to understand that. Because it was not mixed with faith. You've got to believe it. You've got to believe it as what? As the word of God. And not just the words of men. If you don't want to believe it. And if you don't accept, want to accept it as the word of God. Here, here's the scapegoat. That's just his custom. That's just that preacher's ideas. That's just his interpretation. But if the preacher is anointed. And he's preaching the word of God. It doesn't matter who it's coming from and how it's coming. Amen. It's still the word of God. And watch this. The scriptures taught us that the, you can't change this. It's forever settled in the heavens. And no government and no group of people or individuals or followers has the power. No priest has the power and the authority to change the word of God. Especially when it comes to salvation and how to be saved. And how to live an overcoming life. No man or individual or organization or group of people regardless of who they are and where they come from. And even if they try to take it out of here, if they leave a portion out, that puts them in the spirit of error. Or if they try to add to, like the Israelites did with their commandments. It's against the law to wash hands. Gets the law to do this. Gets the law to do that. But they missed the Messiah. They missed the one that came and fulfilled the law. They missed the one that the prophets and the psalmists had written about. If they had just took the word. Even Jesus going, well, what does the scripture have to say? What did he ask the lawyer when he came to him? When he questioned him how to be saved. He said, well, what the scripture says. He said, well, I've done all these. Lackest thou one thing. Go and sell all thy goods and give it to the poor and follow. His love for those things was greater than to follow. So, so as Josiah now at 18 years of age, he has all this done. So in the temple, this tabernacle, the writer the, finds it. Zaphon finds it and he brings it to the scribes and he introduces it to him. The scribe takes it. He takes it to King Josiah. Watch this. He reads the word of God. How would you like this morning if I just came and just read y'all the word of God? We just started at Second Chronicles and we just read the whole book of Chronicles and that's all we've done. Old Testament, that's the way most of it was done, believe it or not. And they, would, they stood for hours. Just to the reading of the word of God. The hunger. The passion. Because they realized they didn't have it to take home with them. The only way they was going to take it home with them is to hear it. And let it be put into their hearts. In their spirits and their lives. That's how they was going to take it home with them. Okay. So no doubt man they would be listening. They would be paying attention. And so here it is. As it was read, read unto him, the Bible says, he put, he said, he rent, when he heard it, he rent his garments. This king did. Josiah. 
The prophet came along later and said, don't only just rent your garment, but rent your heart. The word of God has the power to rent our hearts. To, to open it up, to, to help us. It's the word of God that brings conviction. Could it be that the reason conviction is not upon America as she was 50 years ago is because the truth is not preached and the word of God is not received as the word of God because the word of God is what brings conviction. And when it was read to this king, it brought conviction into his heart. And he caused him to rent his garment. Because he come to the realization, our fathers have not kept thy word. They didn't practice it, but they have sinned. And so here, he sends now. He sends this team and he sends them to the prophetess Hilda. And she prophesies unto them. And watch what happens. She informs them. That because Josiah was willing to rent his heart and humble himself and repent, God's going to take this judgment that's going to come. The fierceness is still going to happen. It's going to take place, but not in your life. Not under your watch. He said, I'm going to show you mercy and compassion because you humbled yourself. There's something about the word of God that will humble us. And if we'll have an ear to hear it and a heart to receive it, the Word of God has the power to bring old-time conviction back into our hearts and back into our lives that we don't want to grieve God and we don't want to to grieve the Holy Ghost in our lives. No, thank God for the Word that still has that power and we got an ear to hear it. Watch this. Go to Revelation. He that's got an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say. I'm telling you, we're living in a world tonight because there's all types of spirits and all types of voices, but there's only one true Spirit. There's only one true voice. And there's only one true word. And this is what's got to be written on the tables of our hearts and our minds and our spirit. That we might not sin against him. So. She sends the word back to him. What does he do? He takes the word. He calls in the elders. He calls in the people. Go back to our focus verse. And he took his place. And he stood in his place. Now watch this. If you go back to 2 Kings. And, and, and I don't mean to be too blunt. But I'm just going to tell you how. He had him bring in the sucklings. He had him bring in all the people. He had him to bring in the elders. He had him bring in everybody. You bring in all of Israel. And the king. Stands in his place. And he reads the word of God to him. And he openly and publicly makes a commitment unto the Lord before the people. That I'm going to keep this covenant. I'm going to keep these commandments. I'm going to lead and guide you in the direction of what this book has taught us. <laughs> Bishop Odom said something in the last few weeks in our lessons. And he made this statement. He said, almost every time, the way of the pulpit is the way of the pew. The pulpit starts leaning, starts going. The pew will follow If there's ever been a time that the pulpit needs to become re-anchored and resettled, re-established in, in the Word of God, in the truth of God, and that's not all, but in the power of God. There needs to be some old-fashioned authority to get back in the house of God. Be careful with your amens. Because that old-fashioned authority sometimes can cause some things. Because when you start walking in that authority and those gifts, and they start calling us out by name in the middle of services. You better not do my baby like that. There we go. Here we go. But we'd all have to admit, we'd all rather be embarrassed a little bit here. And get right with God. 
than just let go and worry about being embarrassed a little bit. But can I say this? That's a lot easier said than done. I promise you, I know. Can I go a step further? Most people can't handle it on face to face. Cannot. Can't handle correction. I'm just, I'm just being honest with us. So I preacher to you to, don't you up here and preach and we get on there and everybody there's thousands of us worshiping, macking him up and. But here's the real test: is when I walk back out there, what I'm going to give myself to and how I'm going to conduct myself and. It's a different ball game, and so but Josiah was letting the people know. This is what we're going to build ourselves upon. So, if you don't mind, I got just a couple of minutes here. I got a few scriptures I'd love to just go through for just a minute. Hit read. Watch this. Isaiah 66 and 2 talks about. And I'm just going to deal really with the latter part of that. But to this man will I look. And he's talking about a contrite heart and a broken spirit. He said, I will look. I won't despise. I'm eternal. But watch this. Even to him that is a poor of a contrite. And trembleth at my word. How long has it been since the word of God moved you in such a way it caused you to tremble? I mean, it shook you to your core. light bulb come on a realization got a hold of you an understanding gripped you hey I got to do something about that or I'm going to be lost and undone how long has this been since the power of the word smote us in such a way that it stopped us in our tracks you know why they had revivals back in the 30's and 40's and 50's like that why they would crawl down them old dust, uh, sawdust floors, crying and screaming, begging. They believe what the man of God said, but we're living in a time now. Anybody, any kind of position, authority, we automatically question it because we have been geared and fashioned for. Come on, from the White House right on, buddy. Hey, you didn't stop in your own living rooms, your own homes. devil has done a good job of tearing down authority and leadership. All of it's not really the credit to the devil because a lot of leadership has really failed in creating this monster. Because a lot of leadership wants to say one thing and live. I want to be this on Sunday. And I want to worship all these other idols and gods, everything Monday through Saturday. Don't bother me, Saint of God. I got a vacation to go to, and I got this to go to, and I got that to go to, and I, I'm busy doing. I'm just telling you, what's create this? Can I ask us something this morning? How many of you believe the White House? And I don't care who's in the office. I don't care what party's in the office. I don't know if you can believe any of them. I'm sorry. That's where we're at. I'm going to help our school teachers out. And I know it probably wasn't 100%. But yet, 90% above. If a, if a school teacher called home and said, such and such done this, without cameras, without eyewitnesses, without the principal, how many parents would have believed that teacher? Today, we can have cameras. We can have them videoed. We can have the teacher, the principal, the sheriff. Well, my baby didn't do that. 
And so it's made its effect upon the house of God. In fact, we're at the place now that most people don't even think you have to go to church anywhere. And if we decide to go, we go when we want to and we go how we want to. And God would just be at our beck and call like a puppet on the string. But we all know better, don't we? And watch this. To even have a chance against the devil, you first got to submit to God. Then you can resist the devil. But if we don't submit, now watch this. Everybody's building today. Everybody's worshiping today. Everybody's got a God today. Everybody, I hear this all the time, and I don't mean to bring it up, but I'm just going to use this because this is what I hear. And preachers, most of them preachers, all they're after is money. All they talk about is tithes and offerings. Well, guess what? You're paying tithes to somebody somewhere. You're paying offerings to somebody somewhere. You're bound down to something somewhere. And one day, you're going to need a God. And guess what? That one that you give yourself to, and you pay tithes and offerings to, and you bought the new this and the new that, and you never have no money for them, and you want to find your loved ones one day, and you you're going to need a church and you're going to need a cemetery and you're going to need I know this is a little too it really is I understand but it's still the word of God we're founded upon this this is the foundation baby this is the foundation so watch this and, and time it's going to eat me up but watch this Deuteronomy 4 1 watch this the law was found this to give you a few verses of what Josiah Heard and then read. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statues and unto the judgments which I teach you. For to do them that he may live, to go and possess the lands which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. He shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall he diminish aught from it, that he may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command. Deuteronomy 12 and 32. What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Deuteronomy 28, 14 and 15. Thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. But it shall come to pass, if thou shalt, wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that will all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. So this is some of the things he heard. This is some of the things he read. And so as he's reading this and he's heard this, hey man, he's going to start pregnant because you know what? He's seen where the curses came. He's seen where how God had turned this around. And they was going to go into Babylonian. They was going to go into captivity. And so they realize and come to that understanding. Now I'm just going to bump this one. Joshua 1 and 7. Only thou be strong and very courageous. Thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. I mean he likes to be commanded. We really don't. I understand. I don't try to command people things of that nature. But you know what? There's some things commandment. You know? Except he repent. Except he believe that I am he. You're going to die in your sins. I can't take nothing from that. I can't add nothing to it. I can't rearrange that. <laughs> Except he are born again of the water and the spirit. You cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I can't add or take from that. That's the power of the word. And when that power of that word, man, smokes us and gets a hold of us to the place, hey, I've got to believe that. But I don't only to believe it, I've got to act upon that. And if I act upon that, you know what? I'm going to get the benefits from it. I'm going to get the results from it. And all the benefits from God, I'm telling you, is greater than any benefit there is. There's not a better way to build your life than to build it on the Word of God. All the money in the world can't give you what the Word of God can give you. All the positions in the world can't give you what the Word of God can give you. All the athletical achievements that you can gain and all the other events and places you can go can't do what the Word of God can. I tell you, there's not a better life to live and a better life to build upon than the Word of God. So, it's what this James, James taught us. He said, and I'm going to bypass some things. I just got two times going to use. James 1 and 20, 21 says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. 
Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. We hear this morning what? We're looking for eternity. We're here about the soul. We're not here about the body anyway. We're here about the eternity of our soul, the eternity of life, the hereafter all said and done. I mean, you just promised 70 years here. The best you're going to get is 90. And most of the time, them golden years is not so golden. But the life to come, what's laid up, what's stored up, what an inheritance by keeping the commandments, by falling in love with the word of God, by being led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Loving this, falling in love with it, letting it get a hold of our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. Romans 6 and 17. But God bethink that ye were the servants of sin. Catch that one. But ye have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Doctrines, teachings. They're very important. They're part of it. We've got to be a part of it. Hebrews 4 and 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Not being what? Mixed with faith. Amen. When they heard it, they didn't mix it with faith. I believe it. I'm going to take that as the word of God. I'm not going to take that as a man. I'm going to take that as the word of God. Get your Bible. Start reading it. Start studying. Hey, you're not going to understand all of it. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. But if you'll get your Bible and you start reading it. If you'll start praying over it. Every time you go to read, God, I want to you show me, God. Speak into my heart. I know you got up a five-fold ministry. I know what you set up. I got enough sense to know all that. But God, I also got enough sense to know that if I humble myself and start reading this Bible, God, you'll start revealing things to me. You'll start showing me things. You'll start helping me along this journey because you know what? You don't get no glory out of the wicked dying. It's not your will. It's not your heartbeat. It's not your, your purpose, amen, for me to be to die and be lost. But it's your will, amen, for me to be saved. That's the reason you give us the word of God. That's the reason you moved on holy men that we can have this book when others want to go in error and want to teach false doctrines and false things amen you give us the word of God that's forever settled in the heavens and if I'll get this thing settled in my heart and settled in my mind settled in my spirit and if I'll get my feet set up on this sure foundation and on the word of God amen when everything else is passing away when everything else is shifting out from under them and we're watching that today America the very things that she was found and built upon with our own jobs and, and securities in that form and that manner slipping away from us but you know what the church and the word of God it's never going to slip. It's never going to, amen. He's not going to put us in slippery places. If we'll just stay with the sure word of God, it's like a sure foot. You're not going to slip. You're not going to fall. Amen. God's going to see you through. Amen. There's going to be trials and temptations and battles and things of that nature. Now watch it. Go to Matthew, the seventh chapter, and go to the time that Jesus Christ is talking about. The foundation. He talks about the builders and the wise one. Amen. What does he do? He digs down and builds on a rock. Amen. The second one, the foolish one. Amen. It really don't matter where you go to church. It really don't matter what you believe. Oh, they just make it a big deal out of a lot of things. Amen. But yet if it's still in the Word of God, it's not a big deal. That's about an individual that's building their souls and eternity on sand. And sand's on a ship. Amen. And watch this. The storm's going to come to both. It doesn't matter how wise you are. It doesn't matter how foolish you are. The storms is going to come. Death is going to come. The storms are going to come. Amen. The thief is going to come. The robber's going to come. The murderer's going to come. The devil's going to come. Amen. And the only thing that's going to hold you and the only thing that's going to keep you is the Word of God. Amen. They won't let you slip. It's the word of God, the experience with God. Everything else is going to slip out from under him. Everything else is going to lose its grip. I'm telling you, we better fall back in love with the word of God. We better get it anchored. We better get it applied in our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. It better move us like we've never been moved. As we stand... I know this is a little different. Uh, I know this has been pretty stout, pretty strong. But it's true. There's a lot. If you didn't read your lesson, go back and read it. Because it's by this same word that you read out of the psalmist. His mercy is new every single day. I'd love to read Psalm 103. The whole chapter. What it tells us. Even one point. 
See, it talks about his mercy and grace and compassion, long suffering. Talks about dealing with us, and when he comes to the place, he says, he knows that we're nothing but flesh. He knows. He knows. That's the reason we got to have his compassion. That's the reason we got to have his mercy. That's the reason we find ourselves sometimes that even when we want to do, we want to do it right. We want to say it right. We want to, you know, at times because of the weakness of this old flesh, the inability of it, we come up short and we fail. Scripture is very plain to us that all have sinned and come short. But we'll tell you something. There's a difference. And... And, and just, we're living in a world today that wants to be saved in their sins as servants of sin. They want to enjoy the pleasures of sin and tell me they're all right too. It slipped in to start with, with just the places we went, what we'd done, what we entertained. But now that entertainment's led us to a place that not only do they want us to allow spiritual leaders that has not been changed, that has not been transformed, that's living lives of abomination, become spiritual leaders. Take on pulpits. That's like a drowning man trying to save a drowning man. That's like an individual that's groping in darkness trying to tell somebody else where the light's at. By this book, you don't have to be a servant of sin. There is a difference. I know, I know we get, you know, we get attacked sometimes. Well, y'all think y'all so holy, and y'all think we don't think none of that. They may think that, but we don't. We're not better than anybody. But you can't serve two masters. You can't serve the world or mamma. Our, our lust. You can't walk and fulfill those things and please God at the same time. And this is where the power of God's grace is activated into our lives. This is where we come to that realization like Josiah when the word was read and he was smote and he humbled himself. That doesn't mean that Josiah done everything perfect. In fact, you can read back and, and places were in some of those high places and all. There were still questions, amen, that some of the people still offered idols to other gods. You know, some people would use, the, they'll make this statement. I'm not going down that church. That's a bunch of hypocrites. <clears throat> Praise God. I'm not talking just as low. They say that about a lot, okay? A lot of times it's nothing but an excuse that they don't want to bear up and, you know, because here's my opinion of that. Well, why don't you come show the way? I mean, if you've got enough insight to revelate that's a bunch of hypocrites, then you must have an idea how to live. Why don't you come and start leading the way? <laughs> don't you love it when you don't, you try to get something done and up there and they propped up her on the fence, you know, oh, hey, why don't you do this and why don't you do that? Why don't, why don't you get down here and do it? <laughs> Seem like you got a better insight. <laughs> I'm not trying to be ugly, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, you get down there and get to doing something. You ought to have done this, and you ought to, and I will say, and yeah, you ought to have been doing it. <laughs> and so, thank God for that grace, that compassion, and that mercy. It's with us that helps us. Because <laughs> we all need it. We don't, none of us live such a perfect life that we can look down our noses. No. No, it's His grace. It's His compassion. It's His mercy. I tell people this often. You know, they talk about certain things happen, bad choices. And, I, and that's true. But watch this. It's got mercy and grace and compassion. It's what keeps some of us from going down the same road. 
Are you understand what I'm saying? This is where the grace of God and the mercy of God and the power of the word of God gets a hold of us. And, and we have to come back to that old altar and repent and say, God, help us. Help us as ministers. Help us as dads and husbands and workers and whatever it might be, God. But God, you help us to be the epistles that you want us to be. Help us walk in the love of Christ. Help us walk in the, as the light. Help us let the Holy Ghost witness through us. It's not about us anyway. It's the Holy Ghost. Read it. Acts 1 and 8, read it. It's the Holy Ghost that does the witnessing. It's the Holy Ghost that flows through us. But it's our responsibility to keep all the idols and keep all the other gods and the things that we give ourselves to. You and I have got the purpose in our minds and hearts and spirit. Amen. It belongs to God. Bible has taught us this, and I prayed, I prayed this yesterday. God give us the Christ, the mind of Christ. God gird up our minds. Help us not to grow weary in well-doing. You help us to stay with it, regardless if we're seeing results or not. But our love for you and to represent you and the power of the cross, the power of the Holy Ghost, and the power of the Word of God, we wouldn't just give up. We just keep on keeping on. Somebody's going to hear it. Somebody's going to see it. Somebody's going to realize this is the footsteps I want to follow. As children of God, led by the Spirit of God. Anybody that starts following our footsteps, it ought to lead them to Jesus. And the final destination, and that's where we're all striving to attain, is a place called heaven. A place called heaven. But the only way that you and I are going to get there, and I didn't get to it. I wished I had it, but I didn't. Paul's writings in Corinth, if you'll go back, I don't leave you like that. Let me say this and I'm going to let you go. I thought I had it, maybe I don't. Paul's writings in Corinthians. He said, he instructed them. He talks about, he says, the foundation. He said, some's going to build. He said, take heed how you build upon this foundation. Some's going to build out of gold, silver, and stone. Others going to build out of hay, wood, and stubble. Now, you know as well as I do, stone, gold, and silver can handle fire a whole lot better. But hay wouldn't stubble. It's going to burn up. Won't be nothing left. And he talks about it. Talks about the works. The ones with the gold, silver. Said they're going to have reward for their works. But those that their works were burned up. Going to lose their reward of the works. But watch what he said. But because you build upon the right foundation. Your soul can be saved. Don't let somebody play games with you about the foundation. It's a must by the word of God to be saved. Paul's writings, the apostle to the Gentiles. These are his words. Let's take heed how we build upon it. And we really want to build out of gold and silver and stone. We really do. But we all must build on the right foundation. Because anybody that doesn't build on this foundation, it doesn't matter what kind of material they build out of. When the foundation, as you go back to Matthew the 7th chapter, come, and he talks about how the foolish one, and great was the fall. Jesus Christ was talking about the soul of a man. Because there's no greater fall than for a man to lose his soul. This is not a day to lose it, but this is a day to gain it. This is a day to purpose in our minds and our hearts and our spirits. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to finish the journey. I'm just clay.
And as Paul put it in one place, there's no good thing in my flesh. But I'm fixing to get on the right foundation. And I'm going to put myself in the potter's hand. And let him shape and mold me into who and what he desires me to be. Because that's all that matters. That's all that matters. We're not on some ego trip. We're not on some kind of trip to impress people. We just want to be the servants of God. And at the end of this journey, hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Because that's what all of us are. But you've got to get on the right foundation. Build our lives on the word of God. You let the word be truth. And you let every man be a liar. You let the word of God be the GPS in your soul and your spirit. You let it be the voice. It won't lead you down a wrong trail. It won't lead you down an avenue. Have you ever pulled in a place and there's that side that says dead end? It's only one way that has eternal life on it. And that's the way of this book right here. Any other way, add or take from it. Beginning of that, beginning of that avenue. They may not see it, but there's a sign that says dead end. Why? Because everybody that's walking in transgressions and unrighteousness is going to find themselves dead in that condition. I want to be alive and well by the word of God today. Let's put it in our hearts. Would you help me pray this morning? God, hear us this morning. As we humble ourselves and yield ourselves in this house today. The power of your word, the power of your spirit, the power of your presence upon every soul and upon every life. As we humble ourselves unto your grace, unto your mercy, unto your compassion. I'm praying, God, there would be a quickening and a stirring in every soul that's under the sound of my voice including mine. We want to be right. We want to hear you. We want to obey you. We want to serve you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. Let thy will be done in our lives from even this day, God. There be an old-fashioned moving of God in the depthness and the recesses of our soul and in our spirit. As we humble ourselves unto your grace and mercy and compassion, help us here today, God. Give us souls crying out for the hand of God and for the voice of God in our lives. We give you the honor and the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. Come back tonight. Service time, 5.30. Choir practice. Uh, choral practice, I think. 4.30. Prayer time at 5.30. 6 o'clock service time. God bless you.